Welcome to Through the Water Cycle on Solving Water, a xylem podcast that explores issues and opportunities water utilities have at every stage of the water cycle, from source and supply to discharge. This episode is part of a live series recorded at WEFTEC 2019 in Chicago, where xylem experts got together to discuss critical challenges, areas of focus, and current trends in the water utilities industry. Enjoy the show! All right, well, welcome to WefTech 2019 in Chicago. We're re- recording live from the WefTech Beer Garden, which is sponsored by Xylem. I'm joined by my co-host, Amanda. My name's Griffin. We are of Xylem. A lot of Xylem speak already. Um, we're joined by our guest today. This is our first episode of the WefTech podcast, uh, Asad Chowdhury and Crystal Hello. Zaman. Thank you guys for being here. Yeah, thank you for having Thanks. us. I think before we get started, you guys just want to give a real quick background, Asad. Sure. I'm a business development manager for uh, Xylem and uh, represent the large pumps for within the Xylem portfolio. And a lot of these large pumps just happen to go into stormwater as a major application. So I'm uh, pretty excited to talk about the stormwater segment exactly. today with you guys. Yes. Crystal, what about you? Uh, yes, I'm a senior manager responsible for product management for all flight products mm-hmm. in Americas. And this is a submersible product line. Again, you know, when we talk about the flooding, we're talking about the stormwater, oftentimes the big issue is that stuff gets flooded. So benefit is to have submersible products. So it's obviously flood proof. So I think that's kind of how, how things fit, fit in together cool. pretty well. Yeah, so you guys kind of touched on it. We want to do a podcast episode on each uh, pillar that Xylem is kind of focusing on this year at WevTech um, under their opportunity of a lifetime messaging. So yeah, today we're talking about stormwater and flooding with Assad and Crystal. What have you guys seen just in general at the show that kind of ties to that? I mean, you were kind of talking about the opening session is, Crystal, very aligned with everything that Xylem's talking about, right? Yes, it was very interesting because of Xylem's message for the show is the opportunity of the lifetime. And we have been talking internally about what does it really mean? Because of it's a very big and bold statement. And then when you start kind of thinking about like what does it actually mean for each one of you? And I had to think about it a little bit when I, you know, kind of how to un- answer that. But it's, it's basically, you know, we have our generation. And that was similar messaging uh, this morning at the opening session that... You know, we, we have the opportunity right now, like there are a lot of environmental problems, you know, the flooding, it happens. This didn't happen 50 years ago. It didn't happen 100 years ago. And for us, we can take some actions to protect our infrastructure and also our next generations. And if we don't do it today, number of cities in 100 years will not be here. And that's the reality. And I think that, you know, when you think about the grassroots level, like, you know, how can anybody get involved and how can we, what can we do? I think we can, you know, kind of using less water, you know, trash collection, just getting involved and like a volunteering, like a small things, like we have Xylem Watermark program. Right. We can, we can just get involved. And mm-hmm. I think that's, that's what the opportunity of a lifetime really is. Because a hundred years from now, those people will look back and say, "Hey, we are we are here because of these people a hundred years ago did actually something about it." And right. I, like, that's kind of what I'm thinking that's about. That's a good it. way to say it. Wow. Yeah. Right. And it's a big message, but you can start small. 
you know, yes. opportunity of a lifetime. Right. I think that, the, you know, sometimes these big messages are kind of go over people's head because we can't relate to them or we don't yeah. know what to do. But I, I think if this opportunity of the lifetime and the overall, like, you know, we really have to take it down to the grassroots level for every person and say, hey, you actually can do something about it and you should just do it tomorrow. Don't wait. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think this is a good opportunity to just kind of dive right into the the flood mitigation or flood resiliency, stormwater management. So that's a piece of opportunity of a lifetime, right? We're challenging our utilities to look at this and what are some smart ways to do that. So um, if if you're a utility... What are you, what do you, where do you start? Like, what, where do you recommend that they start when you're looking at flood resiliency and stormwater management? So a lot of times with utilities, there's a, they have their own uh, resilience programs. They're seeing what's their, uh, I mean, obviously it doesn't feel good to get a D plus on infrastructure. The U.S. is pretty far behind and what is being done in terms of resilience for each of the coastal cities, inland cities, and each of the cities has their own complex requirements. Um, whether Whatever the topography is, there is always a consultant involved where it's a utility wouldn't come directly to an OEM or a manufacturer, there would always be a consultant involved. And there's obviously a partnership that's needed between private and technology. So, uh, and that's where Xylem has really succeeded on a lot of successful projects. Des Moines being one of them, Hoboken being another. There's a lot of attention being put towards the fact that these are no longer 100-year, 50-year storms. These are starting to become a lot more frequent. There's a lot more flow that needs to be handled. What used to be a 50 MGD station, now we're going to start seeing 100 MGD, 200 MGD, so you need a lot, a lot more attention, a lot more capital investment to move forward with these. And, you know, it's, uh, there's a lot more attention. I've already had three or four customers today asking about stormwater solutions. And this is just a short window from right. the entire conference. So um, It's top of mind. And they're asking, okay, do you have a thousand horsepower pump that can do such and such flow? So they're thinking big, big picture, yeah. big picture. So um, utility involvement does require consultant whether it's HDR, Black & Beach, Jacobs, and they all have their own resilience programs and how they're handling the resilience. And and everybody's putting a lot of attention towards the stormwater investment. So at least from what I've seen. Do you find the customers are most interested in planning for those 100-year floods that are happening more frequently? Or like in the case of Hoboken, when it was even just minimal rain event mixed with high tide and they're getting, you know, urban flooding. Right. So is it more of that or is it more for the big events that the big weather events that you're preparing people for? Well, the big event, you know, when a Dorian hits Bahamas, there is really no way you can prevent your infrastructure from being damaged when you have a category four or category five going through your going through your city. But you can be proactive and design stations to, to handle stormwater in a better way. Uh, other than the aging infrastructure, which the, which the U.S. has, how is each community handling the stormwater? And each community, whether it's a CSO, there could be sanitary sewer systems, which are designed separately, where you don't, don't have combined sewer and stormwater. So 
there's complexities with each, but I think there is a lot more proactiveness now, which is fun. I, 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 I mean, at least makes my job more exciting. Sure. So. I wanted to add something in here because of like what I have been recently listen, hearing is more about like, you know, we talk about frequency of 100 year storms, but we have 500 year storm and 1000 year storm and how many 1000 year storms have there been in the last couple of years. I think it's like you, you can't count them in two hands. They need, need a new hands. name. Yeah. They need wow. a, yeah. yeah. So so that's that's also what is changing. And uh, and I think that the overall that, you know, the amount of water is the same, but the intensity is changing. And and I think that also triggers that the utilities and communities in general, they just invest more to protect their people and maybe Previously, you know, the 50-year storm was happening only every 50 year, but now it happens every second year. And I think that also, you know, drives the need to build more secure either flood walls or kind of they, they just have to look out for where they need to develop. Right, and that's just the, like the coastal cities, and it's easy to think about things like Dorian and and other major storm events, but I mean, even the Midwest earlier this year got some intense flooding just from rain. So, I mean, I feel like it's not specific to geographies, and it's, I mean, is that what you're finding, or what are you, is it, is it mostly, mostly like the coastal cities and... No, no, not, not at all. Because of Midwest has historically got big floods so, around yeah. the Mississippi River, like when you were thinking about, you know, even the Des Moines. And then there is another aspect of the river cities. The usual or the traditional way the ri- river cities, stormwater st- uh, systems were designed, that they can overflow to the river. Like they have a combined sewer system. What it means is that the sewer and stormwater are actually combined. So when it rains very hard, it just overflows and everything goes to the river. More contaminants. And 50 years ago, that was okay. But when we think about back, like 50 years ago, our cities were much smaller. And I think that, you know, this uh, this self-cleaning ability of the rivers was also much higher because we didn't pollute that much. So now some of our projects are just to mitigate those effects of what we as people just are putting out there. And just the fact that there are more denser population and then once it floods, then the flood water will, you know, kind of float all the contaminants and trash. There is, you know, it's it's really an issue for that bodies of water where it goes. Want to hear more about how we solve water? Check out the Bell and Gossip podcast in the Solving Water feed. Host Kyle Del Piano of Xylem talks with industry thought leaders about today's issues in commercial building systems, including DOE regulations, HVAC efficiency, hydronic systems, plumbing, education, and more. Stream episodes of the Bell and Gossip podcast wherever you listen to Solving Water. So I used to live in Chicago, and prior to moving out to Portland, I remember joking around with a lot of my colleagues saying that in Chicago there's only two seasons. It's either winter or construction. So we used to laugh about this 10 years ago, but I'm living in Portland right now and I can say it feels like there's construction going on all the time. What does construction equal? More impermeable surfaces, you've got more area to collect the stormwater runoff, more airports, more development areas, so there's always a stormwater section of that that's, that's to be considered. Sure. 
That's interesting. Well, and like, I'm more familiar with the Hoboken project, but they did a lot of impermeable surface installation in like public parks where there wasn't parks before, right? Like, there was a lot more that went into it, even in addition to these big pump stations that were kind of the, got a lot of the attention on our end at least, right? Right. Yeah. And that's kind of, I was interested in that too. So, how do you get people? Hoboken's a good example because they're kind of doing it in incremental bits, right? They did the first the H1 pump station and now they have the H5. Are you finding that that's a way that a lot of communities are dipping their toe into this or do you find that people want like a full-scale solution that's kind of like citywide? Is it more common for Are they phasing it basically? Yeah, is it more common like, for people to do that Hoboken approach because it's a little bit more feasible, I guess, yeah. I think that a lot of the work is also driven based on the funding and funding abilities that they do make the big, you know, detailed planning out for what the challenges are from a bigger perspective, okay. but then then they they are dependent on funding because of these big projects usually also cost a lot. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. And, that's, and Hoboken is a very unique type of... Yeah situation because it's so much population dense in a small area right when we're looking at a Cincinnati or a Des Moines and you know all these Midwestern cities Louisville there's a lot more area so there's also a big increase in deep tunnel projects you know you well you, when you talk about CSO there's a lot of you know there's some attention from consultants given to uh, a big deep tunnel where these pumps are submerged over 200 feet under, underground. It's an entire collection system for the entire stormwater for highways, communities, all collected under underground, hmm. almost like a storage sure. facility. So, but each, yeah, like Crystal mentioned, it comes down to funding, uh, capital investment, and um, how much are they willing to move forward on on being proactive mm-hmm. on handling this? So. so then, what do we, or what do you both? recommend asylum employees to these municipalities or water utilities as to how to cost-effectively implement a full-scale, whether that's a flood resiliency or mitigation program or just stormwater management, better stormwater management. You know what I mean? I think that's a good, that's a big, uh, big early, question. <laughs> early, early warning systems. Yeah, yeah, early by, warning systems. Provided by YSI, for instance. Mm-hmm. When they're installed in rivers, they're measuring water quality, water level, what's the velocity at which the water's going at. When you have more sensors, that helps you better control the pump station, uh, all the different pump stations that you have. Some of the pump stations may not need to operate as much as others. So you can develop, there's more data, and then you can help develop a better program on how to plan it. You could say, okay, we don't have enough pump stations based off of the, the data that we're collecting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think from the YSI side, that with the advanced that- warning systems, it really helps. And then also, you also had the chance to hear from Hoboken on MNET. Yeah, yeah. So I was just going to bring yeah, that up. I keep was, going yeah. back to Hoboken. Yeah. But <laughs> that's a great piece story. I'm yeah. so happy that we got that completed. It's yeah. Really, really good. Yeah. For our listeners, can maybe talk a little bit about the MNET, what yeah. they did in Hoboken with the MNET system, that data? So 
I mean, from what I've heard from the customer, he commissioned he, he commissioned a report from Mnet to get information on the sensors that are around Hoboken area, yeah. so they can properly assess the uh, stormwater. Right? right. They they put it in the H1 station right. to understand how many storm events there were or flooding. What's the frequency right? and mm -hmm. what's the severity of the storm events and mm -hmm. how do they need to operate on their existing pump stations and if there's a new pump station that's needed, if there's uh, more investment that's needed. And I'm sure there will be because Hoboken is an area that is considered pretty catastrophic uh, in terms of what can happen from damage as, as it learned yeah. with Sandy. Mm -hmm. So um, it came before Sandy and you saw how immediately having the pumps there was was able to help out the city mm -hmm. because the water was four feet deep in some areas. So they were able to protect some of the infrastructure, but no matter, you could always say, I've got enough pump stations, but until the storm comes, then you could say, then... Yeah, then well, I mean, when we were talking to Don and Phil at the authority, they were saying that that Mnet report generated, they said like some 36 it was, events yeah. were... 36 events would have been floods. And only four showed up some And they water. saw some flooding in only four mm. of those events. So right. that's the kind of results that are pretty striking when you hear them. Right. What about uh, Des Moines, just to kind of take it out of the coast? You mentioned the Des Moines project. That's kind of, you know, obviously right in the heart of the country. What kind of a solution and case story was that? So the Des Moines project was the River City project, okay. where, like I mentioned before, that the, the system was designed for overflows to the river, and under current DPI regulations, you cannot overflow your sewer to, to the river. And the city city had to find the solution. So, but what was interesting about the Des Moines project was that it was it was very dense population. There was like basically no room to put in a new facility because of right now you know when you are you have a built out area and you have to add significant size facility in there. And I think that that was like a 390 million gallons per day. I mean, this was this was a huge amount of water. Which, which needed to be treated. Yeah. So, but it was yeah, it was interesting because we did, like, as I'm part in that project was to propose a conceptual design that helped to reduce the footprint of that whole facility, and we did reduce it significantly. And I, I have to think about how much that was, but they saved like a, over a million dollar only from the concrete work. Wow because that's how much smaller the station was. And initially, the, the engineer approached it with conventional design for the dry weather and wet weather stations. And then, you know, they talked to Asylum and we said, hey, we, you know, let's propose something really new and innovative. And we used like this pre-chamber design, which is, you know, it's a bit, getting a little bit technical, but in the final, finally, we were compared against the competitors, and where we won was because the equipment was more expensive than competitors' equipment. But when you look at the life cycle cost for the whole, the total cost of the whole station, then the savings they really had was on the concrete work, on excavation, mm -hmm. and it was it was pretty amazing. And uh, I have some videos also where they had some storm events happening in there. And it was like this station, like they had, like they said, about 420 MGD floods. So 
the pump station didn't wasn't able to keep up, so it was like a fall to the ceiling, and it was yeah, it was it was pretty pretty huge wow, deal. Wow. So that these these big parts are actually happening already. Right. But but it was yeah, it was interesting project. We developed also a, like a pump station model that we we have been mm-hmm. showing at Weftech. Oh yeah. Just to just to show the design and using our platform like, suction intakes and uh, axial flow pumps. The pumps are similar to Hoboken pumps. Sure. Okay. But it's just a different size. Hmm. That was going to kind of be my next question: is you know what other products and capabilities does Xylem have to help? in these spaces. So we talked a little bit about YSI, we talked about MNET, you just mentioned axial flow pumps. What other solutions do we employ for stormwater management? For the stormwater, we also, our Godwin business unit, they do a lot of uh, portable pumping. They they just do temporary pumping. And the equipment does like a diesel-driven or electric-driven pumps. But what they do is they have this good approach for the planning phase. Because of once we know that you know the hurricane or some kind of severe weather event is coming, they start deploying their equipment already to the area. And what they always recommend their customers to get the contracts in place before the hurricane, you know, the news will start coming. Mm-hmm. Because of Oftentimes it takes some time to, you know, figure it out what exactly you need and and how many products and even, you know, get the contracts in place, right? right. Because of, you know, when the storm weather hits, then the Godwin people like they already know where their customers are, like kind of like what is the, you know, because then everybody calls you, right? Do right. you have extra yeah, pumps? Yeah. But uh, and that's just you know, Dewatering specifically. Yes, think, that's the dewatering. Okay. Yes, yes. Because of those pumps, like Asan mentioned, like when the Dorian came over Haiti, but like we had just in South Carolina a couple of years ago this Hagen where the storm was just hanging right. over city of Columbia and all this water that came down, like Godwin pumps were used for example provide water for the hospital because of the water level in the reservoirs because the reservoirs were broken so the levels were so down that the normal pumps could not pump it anymore so they were using some of the diesel you know pump just to pump from one reservoir to another one so that they can actually pressurize the water system for the hospital and the other example was also about you know kind of similar just just kind of do some planning and you know, sometimes it doesn't require too much money either because of suppliers like Xylem, we don't charge for that. We have the templates for the plan and we like to work with our customers or, you know, for any, you know, even if you're not our customer yet, but we like to work and there are some consultative services or advice that we often, you know, we often share with our with. Right. Communities, customers, private—it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of what we do without, you know, sure. sending them bills or hourly right. services. I mean, yeah. right. And I think that's one of the big value proposition with working with Asylum is that we do have, you know, a lot of we are heavily invested on, you know, knowledge that we right. have as knowledgeable the people, expertise. expertise. Yeah. Yes. It's more than just product rental. It's, yes, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the people are passionate, and when you start talking with them, like they're passionate, they just want to help. 
we are part of those communities. We live there, so obviously sure. we want we want them to succeed. So I think mm -hmm. that's that's very important about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if I put myself in the community's hands or in the, their shoes, I'm not going to want to hear lead times 24, 26 week lead time. I want to hear what can you provide me right now. Right. So that's yeah. the great thing about having a a strong rental portfolio is what's immediate right. available. Right. Um, to dewater uh, lift stations that which have pumps that are not able to uh, that are way above capacity with, when it's over flooding and then of course you have streets and local infrastructure that's all flooding as a result of storms so it's really good to have the it's a contingency plan right right yeah and so Asad you did you recently you basically wrote a handbook on stormwater management I didn't necessarily write it, but I oversaw the work that <laughs> it's was... Your, it's your, um, your contributed. ideas. Your contributed. Yes. Yeah. So, Stormwater Handbook, it's just outlines... It's, it's a, a great reference. Deep dive, yes, right? it's a guide that shows what Xylem offers end-to-end. -end you mentioned MNET, you mentioned YSI, Godwinds, uh, Flights. Uh, there's also ejector systems. Uh, there's a lot of equipment from beginning to end in the handbook, and also kind of guides on how to effectively design the uh, the stormwater handling. So it's, and also puts in case stories, giving customers, the utilities, yeah. comfort level that Zalem has the expertise, not just from the last five years, but a long period of time mm -hmm. uh, providing stormwater solutions. Yeah, it sounds like you guys do a lot of custom work. And I love that. Like I love to know that every installation, while there are learnings that you know, other utilities can take from one another, communities, what have you, that they're gonna get something specific for their situation, their topography, what you know, what have you, based on your expertise, it's great. Right, you know, when you're looking at pump operation, there's a lot of things that could go wrong. There's hydraulic phenomena, there's a lot of things that can impact performance, which impacts efficiency and your energy savings. So it's really important to work with a supplier that has the expertise on pump station design and can also offer a CFD. Um, we can help support that as well. So that's highlighted in the, in the guidebook. So it's, mm -hmm. thanks for pitching that in. <laughs> thanks for bringing that in. Well, I mean, I just, we could talk all day about yeah. this, but if people are really interested, that's like the, all the good stuff is right there right. for them to check out. And the guidebook mm -hmm. is available online. It's a PDF file, it's a downloadable, so mm -hmm. just, go into the search engine and put in Xylem Stormwater Handbook and I'm sure that, yeah, you know, if anyone, right yes, yes, and anyone can and can have it and take a look and see what you think. Perfect. So kind of bringing it back to WebTech, we have some reuse beer in front of us. Yes. Some of us are going to take a taste test. Anxious to yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to give our tasting notes here. So I cheers. I have the amber and you guys have the... Cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Yeah. It's great talking about stormwater over beer. Water reuse beer. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, what do we think? How does it taste? Yeah, it tastes like a beer. <laughs> I agree. I feel like we need both to be able to be like, which one is it? That's yeah. good, you know? It's true. Yeah, the okay. Yeah, try right. the other one also. Yeah. Maybe also, like I said before, you said I you're a wine. wine yeah, yes, I'm a wine person, so maybe next year we can have some yeah, reused wine. Wine. wine last year at our booth. Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah, but wine is made of grapes, so that's a little bit different. Yeah. You still need water for it. Yeah, you still need yes. water for it. 
Well, thank you both for joining us on our yeah, first so episode of the Weft Tech Podcast here. We appreciate you guys. Thanks. Yeah, thanks. I think the time flew by. Was this really 20 minutes or five? It was, <laughs> it was really good. Good combo. Probably. I yeah, I mean, we're 23 right we're here. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> All, right. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Excellent. Thank, thank you. you.